you back here on Mining Stock Daily this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, we're getting some market commentary in today from a long lost friend of the podcast, the silver chartist himself, Mr. Steve Penny. Steve, welcome back to the podcast. It's been too long. Yeah, you bet, Trevor. Thanks for inviting me back. Uh, looking forward to a good conversation today. I wish silver was up a little bit more than uh, you know down below twenty one dollars, <laughs> but. Um... <laughs> I, it is, I, I'm sorry we laughed, but you and I were having a nice little giggle before we press record about just how downright awful these markets are in, in the metals and the miners. Uh, you mentioned silver. Uh, you know, as the silver chartist, let's talk about that. Listen, silver just can't seem to get out of its way. What the hell is going on here, Steve? Uh, well, whenever I look at a chart, the first thing I ask myself is what's the trend? So I'm looking right here at a two-year chart for silver, and there is no trend. Just been grinding sideways between 20 and 30 for two years now. And the next thing I ask myself, is there any clear patterns that give us a sense of what the next move might be? And I don't really see any clear patterns either, just the sideways chop. So that leaves us with support and resistance levels, and we can make if-then statements. So I look at the most recent low was $20.42. That happened back in May. So if we break support at 2042, that opens up the uh, door towards a more significant pullback towards 1970 or even in the 18s. I think that's fairly low probability, but it's enough of a possibility that we should all be prepared for that, have a plan in place if we see silver pull back into the 18s. Um, I, you know, my long-term outlook has not changed at all, but I think it's really important to have a plan in place if we pull back to 18. You know, are you going to sell? Are you going to capitulate? Or are you going to scoop up bargains? Or are you just going to sit and wait? Mm-hmm. I, I actually keep a look on that one week the, the weekly chart on silver mm-hmm. here, and it's been really kind of hovering right at resistance, the 200-week moving average here, which has been somewhat – I mean, give me a sense. Obviously, I'm not a terrible – I'm not a great technician by any means, but, it, boy, if we break and close below that 200-weekly uh, 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 average, I mean, is it pretty – where's the bottom from there? Uh, well, for me, over time, the more I look at charts, the less indicators I use. So I like just clean charts. I put a 200-day moving average on the daily chart, but on the weekly chart, I don't really use it. And uh, the reason I put it on the daily is because it's probably the most used indicator. Um, when you go to the weekly, I mean, it's a little bit less used. A lot of people still look at it, but um, I don't put as, as much stock as I would in the 200-day moving average on the daily chart. So honestly, all that to say, it's not something I, I watch too terribly closely, but at the same time, we don't want to see it close below the Well, let's stick with silver. How about some of those silver equities? Uh, A lot of the juniors have just been obviously getting a lot of selling, uh, a lot of value out there. But Steve, is it time to be buying? Uh, I think so. Well, it depends on your strategy. There's multiple strategies out there. Some people just want to wait for a technical reversal. Some people want a dollar cost average. For me, I like to buy pullbacks to support. When I look at a ratio chart of junior silver miners versus gold miners, I mean, that's where the value is found. Junior silver miners right now. Some of these stocks are trading back where they were in March 2020, which um, is just ridiculously undervalued and oversold. Could they go a little bit lower? Sure. But what I'm, I'm doing is I'm scaling in on weakness. Um, I'm, I'm scaling in slowly and keeping some cash available in case we do pull back towards 18 to 19. So, uh, any specific equities you might be able to share with us? I know you like to keep some of those ideas with your subscribers, but maybe give us a sign of where you're seeing some value. Sure. So I build my port, the core of my portfolio on a foundation of royalty and streaming companies. So I think that's really the most favorable risk reward setup for the next few years. 
But if you're inclined to speculate, and I always like to say these are high risk speculations, there's a lot of them that look really cheap. I mean, here's a couple Reina Silver, um, Silver One. Those are just two that are beat down to a pulp. Liberty Gold mm-hmm. is another one. Okay. All right. A couple, couple of names there to write down for some ideas. Um, okay. How about the gold? How about gold here? Uh, you know, it's also been in this range between 1800 and 1850. Uh, and we started off today pretty well until it got sold off. Not quite sure what was going on there. Uh, but, you know, precious metals, obviously, you know, we've talked about it before here on the podcast, Steve, that gold is being as flat as it has been is actually outperforming the general stock market. It's doing its job now. It's not mooning, if you, people wanted to use that term, obviously, uh, but it's doing its job. It's it's it, You're just maintaining value here. I mean, that's got to be a good sign, right? It is. Gold looks much more constructive than silver. Um, I said there's no real trend in silver. There's no real uh, patterns. Well, gold, we've got both of those. We're sitting right now pretty much to the penny right at the March 2020 uptrend line. That line has been tapped four or five times in the last uh, couple of years, year and a half or so. And here we are right there again. We're also just a little bit below the 200-day moving average. Um, so gold's at a critical juncture here. It's approaching the apex of a triangle pattern. Those patterns tend to break in the direction of the prevailing trend, which is up in gold. So I have an upward bias in gold. And then zooming out, we've got that big cup and handle pattern that a lot of people have talked about, which once we get to new all-time highs above 2089, that projects a measured move towards at least $2,500, probably higher. But let's, we got to get through those new all-time highs first. Well, what, I mean, let's, let's talk about what the catalyst might be for that to happen. I mean, you uh, were mentioned it off mic, and you agree with a lot of the other guests that, that we've had on the podcast in the last couple of weeks that a Fed reversing course in its policy most likely might be could be the the mover in gold, which really gets it back to those levels and maybe moves higher. Do you, you obviously agree with that? I do. Yeah, I think most of this tightening talk is uh, fully priced in, if not more than priced in already. When I look, look at the yield on the ten-year, it's at it's the most overbought on the monthly chart. It's been in forty years, over four decades, and we're right against that forty-year downtrend line in yields on the ten-year. So from a purely technical perspective, we're due for a pullback in nominal yield, and that will be a tailwind for the metals if that does transpire. Okay, very good. Uh, what else are you looking at? You know, big picture. You know, big picture story here. What other charts are really sticking out to you right now? So you've got uh, the yield on the ten-year. That's probably the biggest one. Um, you can also look at TLT bonds. Um, that's at it's kind of the inverse. It's at a forty-year or excuse me, a twenty-year support um, trend line, deeply oversold. Also looking at the dollar up at major, major resistance at 105 in a technically overbought state. Whenever you reach major resistance and you're overbought, very high likelihood that you're going to pull back. Um, so I'm looking for a pullback in the dollar as well. All right. Uh, would love to talk energy, specifically uranium with you. Uh, I know you're pretty bullish in the uranium sector. Uh, what's sticking out in your mind here with uranium? And uh, it's, it's kind of been a pretty somewhat volatile market here the last few months. Yeah, it sure has. Um, Uranium, I, first of all, the reason I like uranium, it's a pure supply-demand story. You know, the world's going to need to produce more uranium to bring to supply um, all these nuclear reactors that are coming online around the world. For the first time in decades, we've got support from both sides of the aisle around the world. So the political risks are have been minimized over the last year or two. So anyway, uh, it's, it's very volatile. I mean, it's one sector that's even more volatile than silver miners. And uh, some of these quality stocks are off by over 50 from their recent highs. 
So if you're a contrarian and you like to bargain hunt, um, speculate in the uranium sector, I think now's a good time to, uh, you know, scale in and nibble a little bit. Yeah, like Rick Rule always says, if you uh, if you like if you like renewable energy or efficient energy, and you want the lights to turn on in the future, you're pretty bullish uranium. You have to be. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people say, well, we're headed towards a recession, so energy demand is going to come down, and that may be true. But what's cool about uranium or unique about uranium is it's primarily baseload power. So in the United States, it's 20% of our power, but it's not just 20%, it's the first 20%. So even in a recession, really demand for uranium has, is minimally impacted. What's your take on this recession talk? You can't turn on any financial media anymore, including this one, and not hear about and <laughs> have talk about a recession. So let's, let's pop that can of worms open. What do you think here? Yeah, I mean... People have been calling for a recession for, first of all, the technical definition of recession is two quarters, consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. We had negative GDP last quarter, and we'll get uh, the new numbers, I think, next week. So we're right there. I mean, the latest Atlanta Fed GDP, we showed 0.0%. So if that's negative, that's the technical definition of a recession. Um, but regardless, if, if you want to call it a recession or not, you know, the Fed is tightening into a weakening economy. I think that's undeniable, which makes the case that they're going to have to pivot at some point unless they want to just, you know, I think the last thing they want is a recession and see the stock market down because then the blame falls on them. Whereas if they let inflation to run hot, it's easier to blame, push the blame on other people and other entities. What about demand destruction? Are you seeing any, any signs of demand destruction anywhere where you live? Um, well, I mean, in housing, for example, yeah, I'm signed yeah. up for Zillow. I get these alerts and I just get them every three or four a day. Price drop, price drop, price drop. And obviously that's partly a function of rising interest rates. Yeah, yeah. What about a fear factor? I mean, it does seem like people are generally paying more attention to the workings of the economy now. But the consumer, if I may say so, and you can disagree with me if you want to, but the consumer continues to appear to remain pretty resilient through these summer months i mean obviously i'm <laughs> i'm driving around with kids every day to you know camps and whatnot as my routine weekly changes uh however you know it's um you know i think there's a little bit more concern but the consumer continues to be w willing to spend their money right now maybe that changes with the seasonality this fall as, you know, school's back in session. Or maybe that's just pure anecdotal. No, I, th I think that's a good point. But one data point that I saw, I think it was last week or the week prior, was household uh, debt on using credit cards is like at a multi-decade high. So it, it just shows people are being pinched. They can't afford using, you know, uh, these things using their discretionary income. So they're swiping the credit card more. Maybe the demand side hasn't been as affected yet because people are swiping that credit card. Well, it's funny. Weren't the, wasn't it at a multi-decade low during COVID? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, actually, I, don't, I, I can't confirm that, but that sounds I, about... I, I th yeah, I, 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 might, I might be wrong, but I, I do remember back in like the fall of 2020, there was reports that many families were paying down their debts. Yes, that's right. Yeah, they were saving. I, I remember that as well. Yeah, very interesting. Um, all right, Steve, what else can you leave us with before we let you go? I mean, I, I, I promise I won't take as long as I did last the last go around to get you on the pod. Uh, but, you know, really, what should people be paying attention to, specifically speculators, investors in the resource space? Well, I, these sectors are obviously incredibly volatile. 
So to handle that volatility, I think it's required to have a deep fundamental conviction in the underlying thesis for silver, gold, uranium, whatever metal you're speculating. And that al allows you to be a contrarian and to not, not sell when you should be buying and not to buy when you should be selling. So, <laughs> you know, the fun fundamental thesis is still intact here for silver. I mean, this time is not different. So personally, I would almost welcome a pullback to 18 because I've got some cash available and those would be just bargain basement prices. But the reason I don't welcome it is because I know that hurt, that would hurt the average retail investor. You know, the big money, the smart money scoops in and buys at times like that. And your average retail person is the one who gets hurt selling at the exact wrong time. Would you be buying the equities or the physical metal or what? Both? Well, I my strategy with physical metal is I buy a little bit every single month. It's on autopilot. But for buying the equities, yeah, I scale in on sharp pullback support. And right now it's the junior silver miners that are, you know, obliterated. So yeah, I'm, I'm scaling in now and I would scale in aggressively if we get down to $18, $19. All right. Food for thought. Steve, how can people reach out to you for any further questions or maybe uh, inquire about a subscription? Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter at SilverChartist and then uh, SilverChartist.com is a really cool community of like-minded investors. I share exactly what I'm doing, fully transparent, over-the-shoulder service with real-time alert. That's at SilverChartist.com. All right. Thanks, Steve. Have yourself a great day, my friend. Happy 4th of July, actually, too. You too. Thanks, brother. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.